Hi, and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Show and Tell is a show where we like to bring on someone in the RPG space doing something awesome and see what they're working on. I'm Mo, and today we're talking to Scriv the Bard, designer of Bard, the RPG. Hello, I am Scriv the Bard. Uh, I am a cultural psychologist turned game designer and TTRPG writer. And I am really, really excited to talk about Bard RPG. This is my first original system. It is an all ages, ag uh, genre agnostic tabletop role playing game inspired by concepts from literature and psychology. Why'd you get into game design? This, I, I've been doing this for many years now and I actually got my start running storytelling workshops for children mm. and doing specific uh, TTRPG intro sessions. It was Dungeons and Dragons back then and teaching children about storytelling, about plot, about dialogue and perspective using TTRPGs as a vehicle. Mm -hmm. So I got in with some friends at a local library and game store, did some workshops. The kids loved it. It was something they did with their parents as well and, and siblings. And they enjoyed it so much that we just continued on at their enthusiastic request to uh, have ongoing campaigns. That eventually turned into creating my own content, specifically designed around kids, seeing how they reacted to different things within the game, uh, did some blogging, did some self-publishing, all of that culminating with today, talking about Bard RPG here. Woot woot, that's yeah. awesome. You uh, sound much smarter than some of those people who woke up one day and said, I'm going to write a game. <laughs> not, not so much because I have woke up. Me. <laughs> no, <laughs> because before I said, I'm going to write a game, I said, I want to write a book. <laughs> and that never happened. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Well, I, I can say Bard RPG is my first fully solo book. So mm -hmm. that's good. And I do okay. have other things on the back burner for the future but that is for another time. Nice. Uh, what is the experience players are going to have playing Bard RPG? Oh, so hopefully they will find it to be a rules light, very enabling system. So with Bard RPG, it is genre agnostic. So that means all of the game mechanics from character design to learning how to use plot points learning how to wield story threads to twist the plot and the progression of your adventure in your favor. It's all meant to be very flexible. So this game has been specifically designed to fit any kind of setting, any kind of story you would like to tell. That's awesome. But what feelings am I going to have? What, what's, what's the thrilling part about playing this game? That's a very good question. So I, I would say the first feelings you would have when you begin playing Bard RPG and you begin with your archetype is hopefully something akin to self-discovery. Mm. You're being very introspective. Your archetypes are built based on your will and motivations and how you interact with the world. So you can think about it from the perspective of yourself, like a personality reflection, Mm -hmm. or from the perspective of a character type that you would like to embody. So these are based on the Jungian archetypes that we find in different psychological assessments as well as literature all throughout history. Every story has some variation of these archetypes. 
And this is a way to have that self-reflection, to have a bit of that self-discovery as you find yourself in any adventure that, that you could come across, anything that you could spin with this story. Once you have that and, and you connect with those archetypes, with your own inner archetypes, hopefully another feeling you'll have is empowerment and discovery nice. and the feeling that you can shift the adventure. This is not a plot-driven style of gaming. This is very much character-driven style. And does everybody play a bard in this game? No, no, not at all. Uh, so the archetypes are split into 12. You actually have a total of 36 different options. So you'll have six will sub-archetypes and six ability sub-archetypes. And these are things like the leader, the hero, the creator, the innocent, the explorer, the inventor. And by pairing together these different elements of your archetype, that is how you would create what we call in other systems your class. Those archetypes will help you connect with what the inner motivations are because everything you do is motivated by something internally, some sort of inner drive. And then they will also help you determine what your action stack is. So you have every, every character will have access to the same four actions. You've got your physical, your supernatural, your technological, and your social. But then depending on your archetype, that will tell you what your primary, secondary, tertiary, and inferior actions are. So everyone has access to these. You don't need to memorize a whole list of spells or abilities. As long as it fits within that domain and you are using these actions, you're driving that story forward with that archetypal motivation, you can do a whole range of things, which is what makes it good if you want to do maybe fantasy or sci-fi or horror or Western, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever the genre may be, the archetypes and the action stacks can be molded to adapt that. Nice. This is very interesting. So what, normally I ask, what do the players get to do in this game? Mm -hmm. But um, I'm gonna kind of do it backwards and say, um, how do you support GMs and kind of uh, helping with like create an adventure in this? So when it comes to creating an, event, an adventure, we do have options for both narrator led or GM led, but also mm -hmm. shared narration or like a rotating GM kind of style. Right. Right. And you might be familiar with this already. The progression, the structure of a typical Bard RPG adventure is based on Kisho Tenketsu storytelling style, so a four-act structure. Mm -hmm. So within this Bard RPG guidebook that will hopefully be available by the time this podcast comes out, um, at least in PDF form, if not physical, uh, we have a story map structure mm -hmm. guiding the players, guiding the narrator, especially through the introduction, the development, the twist, which is very characteristic of this storytelling style, and then finally the resolution at yeah. the end. So you're also learning about how to structure a story, how to structure an adventure as you play through, as you go along. And there are certain things that would happen within each one of those parts. 
And just real quickly, where is that storytelling from? It almost sounds maybe Korean? That is this. So yes, yes to both. Also Japanese. So okay. the name Kisho Tenketsu is Japanese, but this okay. is a type of storytelling style that is present in classic Japanese, Chinese, and Korean storytelling and others. So hopefully there are some Studio Ghibli fans in the audience. Uh, but one of the easiest examples to use is Kiki's Delivery Service. Mm. You have your introduction. Uh, you are introduced to the world and the characters. You have the development where you learn more about Kiki and her journey as a witch and, and discovering and self-discovery, a lot of self-discovery in that story. And then you have a twist. So this is something that kind of sets Kisho Tenketsu apart from your typical three-part story structure. Mm -hmm. A twist seems unrelated at first. It doesn't have to be conflict. It can be, but it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be. In Kiki's delivery service, this is when she loses her ability to fly. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> so sorry if you haven't seen it. Go see it. It's a beautiful story. It's wonderful. Um, it's it's so wholesome and and uh, fulfilling. But it seems like that loss in ability, that sudden change, isn't directly linked to anything else. It seems to be coming out of the blue, at least from the character's perspective. Mm -hmm. until you see how she approaches that twist and how she handles it. And then at the end, it's called resolution versus conclusion in the four-part story style because it brings everything together back into a whole. So that twist will reveal something new and something that ties all of those loose ends back together. And that's something that I think is very well suited for TTRPGs, especially all ages, because it allows you to introduce different challenges, different problem solving types of things, different perspectives that maybe a more sequential storytelling style uh, can sometimes miss a little bit. Nice. Um, what do the characters get to do? So the characters, in addition to leveraging the four different action domains that they have at mm -hmm. their disposal, each archetype also has special actions that they're able to use. Uh, to influence the story or influence other characters within that story. And as you go through and as you find or learn more about the adventure, about the world, and mm -hmm. you find ways to leverage those actions, you can discover story threads. These could be bits of information. It could be an object. It could be a person. Something that will lead you to the next development or help you pull, imagine even pulling the threads, pull the story towards the development or towards an outcome that you prefer. You can also earn plot points. So plot points are shared expendable resources that you discover through accomplishment of goals, through forging bonds, through discovering and using threads. And you can use those to power up an action. You can use them to level up. At the end of each session, you have a reflection phase. So imagine mm -hmm. sitting around a campfire reflecting on what happened, reflecting on how your character may have grown. Right. So you can use them for leveling up. You can also use them if you have enough uh, collected all together as, as a team, you can use them to invoke a very powerful ability called the plot twist. So this is where you have more of that literary inspiration coming through. The mm -hmm. plot twist could be the reversal of a condition it could be the reversal of an event. It could be the introduction of something crazy and zany. 
uh, or it could be deus ex machina and, and something very ground shaking, uh, right. groundbreaking could be introduced. We've got a fun little roll table in there too. But all of these different elements, all of these different game mechanics are focused on giving you the power to change the story. Hmm. Um, what is the, so you mentioned Kiki's delivery service. Yes. You mentioned that this was a kid's game. Um, what is the main conflict or challenge in this game? So that is harder to answer. Um, and I would say it's all ages versus just for children, but it right, is right. designed specifically to be accessible to younger players as well and new players. Mm -hmm. So the challenge will be dependent on the type of genre that you use. Of course, if you're going fantasy, if you're going magic and, and, and swords and, and uh, fantastical beings and beasts, it could be something like a dragon. You know, you're mm -hmm. trying to awaken a dragon or some sort of deity or stop one from being awoken. If you're going sci-fi, it could be you need to repair your ship before it crashes into something, depending on if you want a shorter story, like a, a short story style or a longer campaign. But because Bard RPG is not associated with any single setting, the system itself does not generate the conflict, but it does give you the tools for creating tension. Right. So we do have a story wheel, kind of like a drama clock. Mm-hmm. Bard RPG uses a story wheel that you can either drive forward due to successful actions or turn backwards, depending on the complexity. So rather right. than having something that is constantly ticking, it can, but your actions will determine either progression or regression from the goal. And of course, if you are unsuccessful with some of your actions, if you're not able to turn that story wheel forward, you do accrue burdens. You accrue difficulties that will hinder things that could mm. add challenge, that could potentially lose a bond or, or uh, burn a story thread in some right. way. So it's, it's, you have the tools that you need to create that conflict, to create that tension, but it leaves it open and flexible enough that you can slot that into different settings. Uh, I guess the question I'm asking is, is the tension or uh, challenge always fighting? No, it doesn't have to be. It absolutely doesn't. It could, it could be combat focused if that's what you like, but Bard RPG is not designed to encourage combat over other things. So for example, we don't have hit points. There's no hit points, there's no armor class, you don't have those combat types of statistics. You can have combat through your different domains. Mm -hmm. Physical, technological, you could have some laser blasters in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but the system itself does not highlight or, or openly recommend combat as an option. It doesn't mean you can't use it, but it could be an investigation it could be overcoming some sort of other external event or, mm -hmm. or happenstance. I have run Bard RPG games where there is conflict in there, but it's not necessarily the central focus right. of the game. You don't have uh, within that story structure a segment of the story within that four-part 
two-part sequence that is specifically devoted to combat or combat or that big climactic moment. It's more about the twist and then how things come together, whether that is a big bad moment mm -hmm. or whether that is discovering that the treasure that you thought was buried inside this ancient tomb is something else. Gotcha. So it's not maybe best for running Marvel movie games. <laughs> Which always have to end in big climactic battles. I think it's Perhaps in the contract. Not. <laughs> we have explored superhero genre oh. as a storytelling. And this is an interesting conversation, though, because you're talking about Marvel, you're talking about all those different things. But well, if you talk about it from the perspective of like the genre, what makes right. a superhero genre? Right. You've got and your Marvel, outstanding abilities. You've got Marvel go and DC are doing a very particular thing that in the movies that isn't even what they do in the comic books. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, I and I think people are getting really tired of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I've, you know, I've fallen off the off the wagon a little bit. <laughs> uh, most of With my them. friends have. Um, yeah, they they do become formulaic, and there are reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Because the Marvel and the DC movies, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but they are very much geared towards Western audiences. And the more traditional storytelling structure is that three part mm -hmm. where you have the climactic moment. You have all those glorious battles. There is a central conflict. And without that central conflict, it's hard to really find a story and in the three part structure. Fighting the conflict. And without fighting like the conflict. There is, the conflict has no meaning. No, I, I absolutely mm -hmm. agree. There are um, all sorts of struggle, and it depends on the core elements of the genre that you want to use. So within Bard RPG, we have sample story maps, all of which have conflict intention, just mm -hmm. not always fighting. But we have representations of fantasy, of sci-fi, and Western storytelling within the artwork and within the story map samples in the guidebook. All using the system. So um, you mentioned that um, this will be up by the time this episode goes out. Where yes. will people? Oh, well, actually, let me ask you a different question first. Are there any APs for Bard RPG? There, perhaps it'll be out by the time this is done. There will be. I have some. Uh, as of right now, as of the recording, I have some actual play examples. Early, early alpha and beta testing of the game on uh, my Script the Bard YouTube channel. You will see Heroes of Ayastera, which started off as a D&D 5e fusion that we then shifted into Bard RPG. And then you have Outpost 5, a sci-fi western uh, genre mini campaign that does use the Bard RPG system. And there's something very interesting about playtesting in front of a live audience when you're, when you're streaming. You get to do a lot of discovery and a lot of adjustment as you are going along and as people are asking questions, it's, it's wonderful. But I do have currently, I will not reveal too many details, but I am meeting with some creators uh, tomorrow actually to talk about an actual play for Bard RPG. Best of luck with that. Yeah, I'm very um, excited. But there is a YouTube channel and people can go there to There is, there's a YouTube um, channel and, and mm, I'm, trying to get back to a regular streaming schedule on Twitch, but check out the YouTube. Nice. Uh, mm. Why'd you call Bard? I'm Scrub the Bard. <laughs> <laughs> I, even though Bard 
as a word can be very genre coded. And usually the first thing that comes to mind is, is fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. the, the fantasy bard. Um, I really am inspired by the classic storyteller and the different storytelling traditions that we have seen grow over generations and generations of humanity and across every different culture. Every culture has something like a bard. Every culture has storytelling styles. So I felt that having a system that was so focused on storytelling traditions and the introspection and literature, it was very appropriate for the name of bard. Nice. Nice. Um, how can listeners support you and find your game? Go to tatteredbear.com. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so I am part of the Tattered Bear team. I am a chief editor and production manager uh, over there and a client outreach. And I am keeping Bard RPG in the shop. So right now it is available in PDF format uh, on Tattered Bear. I will eventually have additional physical copies done. However, I need to get through Kickstarter fulfillment first. So if you are one of the lucky and very appreciated uh, scribblers out there who backed the Bard RPG Kickstarter, hopefully you will have your book by now. If not, you will very, very soon. Um, but for everyone else, please go support Bard RPG through Tattered Bear. Yay. I'm looking forward to seeing some APs and figuring yes. out, um, you know, if I can get a group together to play your game. That would be amazing. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Griv. Thank you so much for having me on. This was wonderful. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook or join our Discord where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.
The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.